Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. And here we are for episode 71 of the MMA Outsiders. It's a super episode, unlike maybe what the MMA community might be feeling after a lack of a UFC 300 ad at the Super Bowl. Tom Albano here along with Zan Bando. And Zan, hope you had somewhat of an enjoyment of the game, minus the fact that there was no 300 commercial. Minus of course I did. Minus how the first three quarters of that game was kind of lackluster. Um, but we got a lot that we got to get through today. A lot to get through, so little time. UFC 300, all the madness with that. How it, We're about, Zan, two months away. Actually, exactly two months away. And as of the time we're recording this, we still do not have a main event. We've also got UFC 298 that we got to run through. We've got action this past week that we're going to mention. All that and so much more. Before we do, make sure that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the Empty the Bench Network. Make sure to follow us across social media on Facebook, Instagram, and the former Twitter, now known as X, at MMA Outsiders ETB. Do the same for the Empty the Bench Network at ETB Network, Facebook, X, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, to my right, as always, my co-host, Dan Bando, staff writer for BJPen.com, MMA Knockout. You can find his work on social media at Zambando99. And then, of course, on Talbano, contributor to MMA News, fan side of MMA, and going to be returning. Now it's official, Zan, with the That's PFL great. for the 2024 season. So you can catch my work for their website for every PFL card, the global card, every PFL Europe card, and now every PFL uh, MENA card. And you can follow me on social media at Thomas J. Albano. And once again, shout out to Wolf Spreads, our partner who they partnered with the network through the Football Friday program around week nine. And they are still running through now. They have we have expanded the partnership network wide. So now that even football season is over, we can still, you know, have this partnership. We can still talk the great things that we that we have with them. You know, we had a lot of fun with them during football seasons and and that action can continue. Into baseball season, basketball, uh, the second half of the basketball season, second half of the hockey season, and so much more. So, For sure. 2000 fantasy dollars every week. Uh, you can bet in a little pool, fantasy bet in a little pool with your friends. Whoever makes the most fantasy profit wins the week. So much fun. For sure. It definitely keeps you very invested in whatever game you're watching. And it also kind of, uh, helps in terms of just learning more about uh, the betting space and how you, you know, place, you know, lines and all, all that good stuff. So anyone who wants to learn more about Wolf Spreads, be sure to download it, be sure to check it out, be sure to familiarize yourself. And uh, hopefully, assuming that everything kind of expands its way outward, um, we're, we're going to start to use uh, Wolf Spreads more succinctly and concurrently um, with at this show, so stay tuned for more information on that as it rolls out. But um, one of the most entertaining things I think to do in the combat sports space is th- is to throw a little action on, and so hopefully in the near future we'll be able to do that. But with all that and so much more out of the way, we have a whole lot to get to. Starting out with um, 
all the, I guess you could say, news notes and hoopla that, that is and was uh, the UFC 300 mess that was this past week. So Ariel Hawani went on the MMA hour uh, um, uh, yesterday at the time. Or, um, this is it. He went on the MMA hour yesterday to kind of clear the air on what was going on with UFC 300. And essentially, what Ariel Hawani said is that, um, what, what Dana White has been claiming over the last week is true. Uh, the UFC still does not have a main event for the blockbuster, uh, UFC 300 card. And as we said, it's about two months away taking place at the T Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. But there has been a new development, and that is. For the UFC welterweight title, what the UFC wants to do is Leon Edwards versus Hamza Jemayev, Napola Muhammad. The, the only issue with the UFC potentially not announcing that fight sooner than the, what they would like to do is that Jemayev has visa issues and, and not um, get, get, to, get to the United States at this point in time where at the moment is having issues that is that is holding him up from making this fight possible. So it seems like it seems like the UFC really wants to push Hamza. They think that he's the next worthy challenger in the line for Leon Edwards, even though Bilal Muhammad is the clear number one contender. There's, I think, a lot of underlying layers to unpack. So, well, I guess I'm going to throw it to you. But essentially, what I'd like to know first is um, when you when you saw Ariel talk about this, had Hamza crossed your mind even before he mentioned him number one? And number two, um, do you think the UFC potentially going in that direction just clearly shows that they think that Chimaev is more of a star than Muhammad? And do you think that this is the fight that they're actually going to try to push as much as they possibly can? Why or why or why not? Okay, so Chimaev didn't really cross my mind, San, because I had assumed and even... um. Nasruddin Imavov, I believe, mentioned it last week during his post-fight press conference um, that the pl- I thought the original plan had been that Hamza Chimaev was going to fight Jarek Anandir next. And then that fight was going to supposedly be the one that elevates him to uh, the title shot. I'm feeling that maybe Bilal Muhammad may have done enough, you know, ranked above Chimaev in the rankings. And Zan... The welterweight title, this is a situation where I don't think the UFC has a clear-cut winner. Because do I think that they view Chimaev as a star? Absolutely. They viewed him as a star, Zan, after he fought twice in 10 days, got finishes in both, and then in early September of 2020, had that quick, quick, very quick, under-30-second knockout of of Gerald Mearshart. They have always viewed him as a star. Even when the whole weight issues that happened um, in September of 2022, their view of him didn't exactly go down. They viewed him as a star. Even after the long layoff that happened prior to that, remember when he was had COVID and was teasing about retirement, they view him. It doesn't matter. They view him as a star. They view has, him as a star more than Bilal. And Zan, if you asked, for lack of a better term, because I know this term gets thrown around, people hate the term, but for lack of a better term, if you ask the casuals, they'll know Chemayev more than they'll know Bilal, or they'll think that Chemayev is more exciting than Bilal. So you have those who are in the Chemayev camp because of his star potential, and you've got those who maybe a little more hardcore, in, and, I, and I'm in this camp, 
the Bilal camp, that Bilal has done enough. He's had the win streak, has the wins that, you know, the wins over names that he's earned this shot. Plus, Zan, don't forget, you also have the storyline with Leon Edwards because his one, the one time he had, did not win, and I, the one time he did not win, and I think the same goes for Leon, that's a little blemish on their momentum is the no contest that they had when they faced off because of, uh, because of uh, the no contest, because I think it was an accidental headbutt, if I'm not mistaken, or may have been elbows. Um, yeah, it was definitely it was definitely one or the the other for sure. And and I think I think you hit all of the proper points. Uh, um, I just think personally that at at this moment in time, despite Hamza Jemayev's star power, Tom, I don't think he deserves this fight right now. He maybe has he maybe has one good win on his UFC. Re- as I mean, maybe two if you want to count Kamara Usman, but to me, he has not done enough consistently at 170 or 185 pounds. I'll he counter did. that, Dan. No, no, I'm not saying I'm going to counter you, but you say the arguing that, oh, he's got to win over Usman. I'll counter that um, to anybody who says that's a quality win. Yeah, it's a, it's a win by name, but also Usman was fighting on short notice. Uh, because Paulo Costa pulled out of that fight on short notice. And that fight took place at middleweight. Usman had never fought at middleweight before. Right. And you have to look at the fact that Usman, you know, admitted before the fight that his knees weren't in the same condition that they once were, that the Leon Edwards uh, trilogy fight took a lot out of him. There were a lot of variables outside of him just being a last-minute replacement um, mm-hmm. that 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 caused him to not perform as well as he normally does. Yeah. So I mean, I'm I think I'm in the same camp as you. Uh, actually, hold on, producer Pat coming in with a little research. Well, I said the research gets a little, I guess, sort of breaking development or such. So as we're recording this, Chamaya uh, Zan has replied to a comment on Instagram, and it says. I will not be fighting during Ramadan. Yeah, wow. that is that is definitely another layer of this because Ramadan is the fasting holiday in that culture. So that makes all the sense in the world as to why he can't, as to why he will be unable to compete. So uh, this, Zan, this story now gets even another layer to that, to this. So comes out Shemayev little bit of a breaking development, at least at the time we're recording this. He has said on Instagram he will not fight during Ramadan, which means now, like, visa issues are not be damned. He's out. That a fight between him and Chima, between him and Leon Edwards, or even him and Drickus Duplessis is not happening. Well, at least, at least for this event, we're not saying that it can't happen down the road, because it, cer- it certainly... But at least for UFC 300, he, he, he's definitely out. Yes. So this is now a problem because then it goes to what I talk about. Now, part of just all of this and the other part of all of this, let me just go to this one. Let's just go to this layer of the story. So there was an expectation, maybe a little bit of a tease, if you will, on social media. One that was maybe or maybe not fueled by one. Irish, uh, proper 12 whiskey, drinking, producing, alcohol going through his blood and veins. 
Vince McMahon style walking man known as Conor McGregor may have fueled these flames that there may have been a commercial of or such of a UFC 300 announcement. They now Dana White was in a commercial for Bud Light that had a whole bunch of cameos, a whole bunch of celebrities. They even had the people from the commercial. Like they say at the end, I wish I, w- I was at the Super Bowl. And then you got to see everybody from that commercial in the Super Bowl. And, th- and there was a thought, maybe there'll be commercial or, or in that commercial, some sort of Easter egg that would have announced the UFC 300 fight. But the Super Bowl came and went and there was no announcement. And there's a lot of fan outrage at this point as to what's going on. Yeah, so... Speaking of no announcement, um, a bunch of people on the MMA Twitter slash X webs have done their research, and and someone I don't remember who it was that caught this found out on the ESPN schedule that a Q and A for UFC 300 is scheduled for Friday on the same day as the ceremonial weigh-in. I'm just curious, in your opinion, Tom, do you think that by Friday of this week we you will have an official announcement, or is this going to be a Q&A, in your opinion, for the fights that have already been announced? I think we have to. Zan, I'm, I'm going to go one step. I'll go another step further. Okay. If, if I, let's say, so today is the 13th. The next week will be the 20th. Uh, then the 27th. If we get to that last week of February, Zan, if we get to the, let's say the UFC Mexico City card, we get to that and we don't have a 300 main event announcement. We're, we're going to be entering UFC 293 Sydney territory where we're freaking out, not knowing what the main event is. Yeah, or perhaps them having to move the date entirely too. So, this is, yeah, this is not a good situation. Now, should we have expected a UFC 300 announcement? I don't know. I, I don't think Zan, Zan, only because if you see that story there about Chimaev and you see that story, uh, I mean, all the stories about Conor McGregor, that he and Chandler were ready to go, but the UFC wanted to hold off as a means of boosting a weaker card down the line. And then the stuff about John Jones, which, you know, I, I, I know we're going through layers, but, but, but I mean, at this point, we should just go to that because this plays a role into that, too. So apparently John Jones had an interview with Submission Radio in Australia this past weekend. And during that interview stated that actually, Zan, despite what the UFC has stated that, you know, he they were looking to have the Stephen Miocic fight in late 2024. He would consider facing Tom Ospinall in an undisputed title fight. However, John Jones was looking to go, I mean, John Jones was asked about main eventing UFC 300, but felt he would not be ready. Uh, Obviously, he's still recovering from his torn pec that he suffered that forced the cancellation of the planned 295 main event between him and Stipe. And Zan, number one, going back to this part of the story. If it's not John Jones and it's not Conor McGregor, it's not Shemayev, if it's not um, if it's not uh anybody coming out of retirement, not a Diaz brother, not Khabib Nurmagomedov, you're not going to be able to have a big, you know, payoff or Super Bowl commercial. If it's Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad, no disrespect to either of them, you can't run that during a Super Bowl 
commercial. If you say, if you're going to say you can't run a commercial for UFC 300 based on Justin Gaethje versus Max Holloway for the BMF title, you can't do it with Leon and Bilal. And secondly, Zan, no. and secondly, this story right here, and the reason I have it as a separate uh, segment to this uh, overall picture, the fact that John Jones, who you know is coming, still recovering from a torn pack, mm-hmm. and you have, you know, you had stated you wanted to, even though it was going to be at most a year, but still a while, you know, at, because you wanted, the UFC still wanted to do the Jones Stipe fight. And now all of a sudden, after that submission radio, that smells to me like desperation. Yeah, that smells to me like desperation, too, in another layer that you did not add. But I will, I think part of the reason why they wanted Jones to headline is because they know that if they try to run Aspinall versus Pereira, that it won't sell as well as a John Jones fight. It's because John Jones is a bigger name to the casual audience compared to the those two guys were two great fighters in their own right. But as far as what we know about them right now and the way that they're marketed, it seems like they cater more to the hardcore audience than the casual audience. So that's also another element. And they probably did not want an interim championship to cap the card. That's the, that's the, that's the last thing they want. So, but at this point, Sam, but at this point, I think we can recognize where, running out of options if that if by that logic yeah we're running out of options and they had 10 months to figure this out when 300 was you know anticipated and people started to talk about it and now they're in scramble mode um yeah. if i were to the point, UFC, if i the were point, the, sorry go ahead as to the point where dana white has commented that a whole documentary could be made about the behind the scenes for that card well, and, and speaking of the documentary, I'd rather watch the documentary than the countdown to UFC 300. To be, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather watch that. But anyway, what, what I was going to say was, if I was in the war room and I was a matchmaker, I think the easiest thing that you could do to make everyone happy is and I and I and I hate to say it because we did an entire Ultimate Fighter season around it, but but the only fight that I think makes sense for this card to put at the top of the card is Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz three. And it's funny that you say that because I believe Nate was in the crowd for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So rooting, for the, rooting for the Niners, of course. So I so, think people went in, and Sam, it goes back to this part of the story. I think part of the outrage is because they saw that they know the desperation the UFC was going in after the John Jones story dropped. I think people were expecting that the UFC with their desperation and Dana and Nate both being at the Super Bowl, that that was going to happen. They were going to announce the the Connor Nate trilogy for 300. Yeah. And unfortunately they didn't and they still have yet to do so. So I guess I'm going to, I'm going to ask you the same question. Question. I gave who who I think would be the main event if I was in this position. If you're the UFC right now, given the options that you know, reading between the lines or on the table, and mm-hmm. you were and you were in this position of power, and you, you had two months to go to figure it out, what would you what would you do? Uh if I was Zan, I'm in the same. As much as I'm not the biggest McGregor supporter, 
I would be in the same boat as you to try to get Connor there. I mean, Sam, if I had all the power, Connor versus Chandler would have happened already. It should have happened last year. Let's be yeah, honest. It, sh- it should have happened at UFC 296. At, at, at minimum, 296. Um, but you look at this, and Zan, I actually want to go back to Ariel's story for a second. Okay. So just to clarify, because, you know, to get the fi- fuller picture here. So Leon Edwards, Hamza Chimaev was the top plan for the UFC. Um, Leon Edwards versus Bilal was another option, as was DDP versus Chimaev. I think I'm still in the same boat as I told you a couple of weeks ago, Zan. Maybe this is just out of pessimism. I think Leon versus Bilal is going to end up the main event of that card. Really? Unless there's another bout on here. And you want to talk about star power and draw and a heated fight. Zan, if I'm in the, if if you're telling me to go into this situation and the situation of it's now, that it's in now with all the scrambling, I would pick, I would write, you know, blank check or a significant check. I would mail one to Drickus Duplessis. And I would mail one to Israel Adesanya, and you get that fight for three hundred. Yeah, I mean the buildup would be spectacular, and I think MMA fans would go would go insane. There would be flights being booked within seconds of that. I think at this point, and I think at this point, that's what you do. You go. There's one name that you know we talked about. He said he wasn't going to fight in a while, but we said if he was offered a lot of money. He would do it. So I would go to, I would be on the phone right now with, with Israel Adesanya. And I would say, how much, how much is it going to take for you to do this fight at 300? So that it's, it's, yeah. So when Friday of this week rolls around, is that going to be, is that going to be the fight? Is that what we're, is that what we're going to get? Like I said, I'm from a pessimistic point of view that I think it's going to end up Leon Bilal because of the Chimaev news. But if I was the UFC, I was Dana. And I need some star power for this main event. I need something, Zan. As much as it's a, a fake belt, you have to think about it in this way. Gaethje and Holloway, you need something that's going to top their star power the, and, and be in a heavier weight class. And at this point, going through all those options that aren't going to be it, the only name that sticks out to my mind right now is Izzy Adesanya. Okay. So... Oh, that's kind of where we sit in regards to the madness that is UFC 300. We will keep you guys posted, of course, every single week leading up to the Blockbuster event. Again, that's UFC 300, April 13th. Las Vegas, Nevada, T-Mobile, you, know, you could already begin to make your plans to pick that up on ESPN Plus pay-per-view if you will not be in attendance. Anyway, let's talk about, let's talk about actual fights because is because yeah because because can we because can we not because obviously we have UFC 298 taking place in Anaheim California at the Honda Center UFC featherweight championship Alexander Volkanovski versus Ilya Tapuria and um yesterday just for you guys in the United States just a little programming note yesterday was the final day where you could save ten dollars on the pay per view as an ESPN Plus subscriber so if you took it. And to do that, congratulations. You are all us for Saturday. If not, you will be paying full price for this event. Nonetheless, a major championship fight to get up of this card. And overall, UFC 298, the amount of depth that is on this card is really tremendous after the lackluster UFC 297 that was. And mm-hmm. um, we aren't really sure what else, what Alex 
and Volkanovsky we're going to get, considering that he's now lost twice to Islam Makachev. Obviously, he came back in a major way and ended his, uh, his other way title in between those fights. But what Alexander Volkanovsky are we going to get, considering some of the things that came out of the Islam Makachev rematch, how he wasn't fully prepared, and you know, with Deportia being 14 and 0 with the whole country of Spain behind him in a uh, riding on that potentially a UFC event in Spain later this year. What do you think the stakes are of this fight, and how do you look at this fight holistically just from a main event perspective? Yeah, and first of all, Zam, by the way, you mentioned the you know the early bird special. I actually managed to get that just before we went on the air today, so I'm all set. I'm all ready to go. Um, also, by the way, second to last pay-per-view, you can do the uh, – you can do the password sharing. Eventually, that's going to run out. Yeah, unfortunately. I know. I know. Uh, but anyways, going to this fight here. Yeah, I think, Zan, the biggest question I have about this fight. Now, I know Ilya Tapuria taking on somebody like Volkanovsky. That's definitely a step up in competition. You know, he hasn't fought Max Holloway, who we consider, Zan, the quadruple A fighter of the weight class. Um, but. I think I have more questions, Dan, about Alex Volkanovsky than I do Ilya Tapura. Now, part of that, uh, Zan, I think stems from, you know, listen, I know the two fights that he had with Makashev were at lightweight. Uh, it was the heavier weight class, so you can't really penalize him at the featherweight level. But I'm concerned considering some of the comments that he made in the aftermath of that fight talking about how he feels an obsession that he needs to continue to be in there. And he's coming into this fight, you know, just, I can't even say four months because uh, 290, uh, 294 was later on in October. So about three and a half months after that knockout. So there's to me quite a concern. Are you going, you know, from one badass in the lightweight division to an up and coming rising young badass in the in your own division, right? And uh, to 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 put it simply, to me, this fight should and it be happening now. This fight should be the co-main event of UFC 300 in April. That's just the the it's just me. I mean, to push him that hard and to give him such a quick turnaround, which is what which is what he wanted, but. To have all this pressure on you to be the to be the featherweight champion to not look at your to not look at your best in an entirely different weight class and with the current momentum that Taporti is on after beating a very tough gritty veteran in Josh Hammett this mm-hmm. is this is not a very good situation for Volk. However, I do think that even though Ilya Taporti is able to go five rounds in the in the Emmett fight or pretty close to it from what I recall. He's fighting a totally different beast in Volkanovski. Volkanovski has dominated 145 since 2019. I think experience is experience. And even though we have our doubts on whether or not Volk still has it and whether or not he's lost a step, I still think he wins. I just think it'll be closer than maybe people will give him credit for. No, I, I agree with you. Like I said, Ilya, there's a difference between, you know, like, I, I get that Josh Emmett was fighting for an interim belt uh, against uh, Yair Rodriguez uh, last year. And Max Holloway technically shouldn't really be in the title picture, shouldn't really be in the title picture because 
uh, he lost the rivalry with Volkanovski. But that said, remember what we talked about with the quadruple-A fighter again, that Max has run through everybody in the division, even Yair, who won the interim championship, who Volkanovski beat. It's just a matter of that. Ilya never got the shot. Ilya got the shot against Josh. He never. We never really got to see what he would do against Max Holloway. Now, is it fear from the UFC's perspective that, oh, if he goes in there with Holloway, then Holloway, with his quadruple-A status, might stop him, and then that ruins anything, and we need new challengers for Volk. Maybe that does play Maybe. a role. Um, but at the same right. time, you can't deny, you know, the, the submission of Bryce Mitchell, the going five rounds and getting the win over Emmett. That does put a lot of stock in Lily, in Ilya. Um, however, like you said, Volk is a different animal. I'm going to go with Volk still. I think, Zan, as you said, I completely agree with you. It's going to be a lot closer than people think. Um, I think that it's going to end up being... You know, it's going to end up having a couple of scares where I think Tapuria is going to take a couple of rounds. I could see Volk winning this three rounds to two, 48 to 47. The thing that's going to scare me a little bit, Sam, the thing that's going to concern me, and I think I need to watch out for, at least I want to watch out for, considering what we just talked about with the quick turnaround, how is Volk going to react if Tapura lands a big power shot on him? That's going to be a big question. Is when Volk got hit against Islam, he didn't like it, and he fell almost instantaneously. So, um, yeah, and when you get hit by Ilya, you you are hurt, and you are definitely on wobbly legs, and that that's going to be very interesting. To me, It's he's going to fight. To me, this fight could go one of two ways. This is either going to be... This is either going to be Aldo versus McGregor, or where it's a party... It tries to just take the center of the octagon and knock him out right away, or this is going to be a methodical dominant win, very similar to when Volk beat Yair, where there was no question as to who the better fighter was when that fight was over. I think this fight can go multiple different ways, but the longer the fight goes, I think the, the more it favors the champion, and the shorter the fight goes, the more it favors Deportia, because Deportia wants to keep this on the oh, feet. Yeah, I complete. I completely agree with you on the shortest, but like it goes back to what you said before. If Ilya lands a power shot and Volk stumbles and goes down like he did against uh, against Islam, against Islam, even if the fight isn't finished right away and Tapuri has to land follow up shots, like if he goes to his knees, I'm just gonna say it's over at that point. I I know he survived that crazy submission uh, against Ortega, but. Like you said, the health is just really the concern at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, continue on with what you were going to say. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, just to wrap up, I was just going to say I'm picking Volk by a fourth round TKO, but I would not be surprised if this goes the distance. But either way, I think that the featherweight champion will be going back to Melbourne, Australia, and will wait for uh, whenever his next challenge will be. Because my prediction is that after Volk wins this fight, He's going to sit out until International Fight Week. He, he's going to fight June 29th and whoever that's going to be, which that's even going to be a very interesting challenge if he wins this one. And and if he wins in June, this is just a hypothetical. I think he fights. I think it's going to go this weekend, so February, then June, and uh, in October, and we look ahead to 2025 to 
he uh, to see whether or not he's still uh, the champion or not at 145. <laughs> that's what that's what I think. All right. So then let me ask you about Ilya. Let's say let's what happens should Ilya win this fight now? If and and I think this can go a couple of ways, Dan. Because number one, let's say the finish is late, or let's say the fight goes to a decision. You would go. We would assume with a Volk rematch, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I, mean, I mean, with the if Volk is dominated one forty five, there's only one guy that would deserve an immediate rematch, and it's the and it's the and it's the man himself. Yeah. But what happens in a situation like you said before, if it's like Jose Connor and it's quick? Because Dana has a history of when it's a boring fight or a quick fight, they'll go, I don't know. That was too quick. And they don't give him the title shot. Because then, Zan, I would say then the obvious challenger would be the, the man that Ilya has skipped over in Max Holloway. But now you've got Max fighting Justin Gaethje, which is already a concern that I have because I don't know if he wins that fight because we saw max at lightweight against dustin and max is too small for lightweight so mm-hmm. what do you do with Ilya then if the fight goes quick and dana pulls a dana and doesn't give Volk the rematch i think no matter what happens even if it's quick the rematch still happens i think i think volk's body of work and what his future hall of fame legacy is going to be there's no way no matter how he loses and if he does lose that he doesn't get an immediate rematch all right fair enough and then, Sam, we go over to the co-main event, and we go to Robert Whitaker taking on Paulo Costa. Uh, Zan, I'm going to give a bit of a take here. Okay. I don't know if this fight happens. Okay. I, 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 it would tell me it would not be a Paulo Costa thing if he pulls out during fight week. Um, of course, it would be the most Paulo Costa thing ever because that's what he that's what he likes to do. <laughs> So, if Paulo, I'm going to go on another on this extreme to exam. If Paulo Costa pulls out of this fight, he should do he should do us all a favor and just retire. He should retire, or the UFC should just cut him. At this point, it's going to be ridiculous. And Zan, considering that it's felt like forever since Paula Paula's had a impressive performance, let alone fight. At this point, Zan, as much as they're both you know higher ranked middleweights. And this is a co-main event slot. I'm not going to be too in-depth on my prediction. I think Robert Whitaker wipes the floor with him. I think he wins. I don't think he finishes Paulo. You know, Yoel Romero didn't finish Paulo in, in their, you know, crazy fight that Paulo won. I, I don't think he finishes, but I think Robert sweeps the scorecards easily. 30-27 across the board. Okay, I think the fight is a little bit closer, but... I- I still think Whitaker wins, so I'm going to go with the similar prediction as you, but I think it's going to be 29-28 on, on two and 30-27 on another, and it's simply going to be because whoever scores a 30-27 is going to be watching a totally different fight. So, um, so yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be somewhat close. I think that if, if it does go the distance, I think Costa is able to manage a round, but that's it. He's going to show about – if he normally does, he's going to try to stand in the center of the octagon with his arms down and try to get Whitaker to come to him. And and he does. Costa's going to do the thing that he likes to do where he just pretends that he's not fighting and then he's just going to stay stagnant. So that's going to be a Do you think he's going to go into this fight drunk on wine like he was against Izzy? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think I 
think he's learned his lesson from that, and I think he'll go into the fight 100% sober. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go on to actual talents. <laughs> let's go to Jeff Neal and Ian Gary. Now, Ian Gary, this is going to be his first fight since that win against Neil Magny and Zan. That was probably the most disappointing uh, performance I've ever seen from Ian Gary. And I know the UFC is very high on him. I know they're trying to give him, you know, the Irish train treatment like they did with Connor, like they're still doing with Patty. Um, but I, I need to see more. I need to see something bigger than what he did against Neil in this fight with Jeff Neal. I'm just going to put it simply. I think I, Ian Gary's first loss of his MMA career comes this weekend, and I don't think it's even close. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna lose. Oh, actually, something to know by the way, Zan. This fight was supposed to happen next month at two ninety nine, but for whatever reason, they decided to move it a month earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you. Who's this one? I think Jeff Neal is 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 a veteran in the sport. I think he's a much better wrestler. He doesn't talk any trash. He's Going to go in ways are focused, and Ian Gary's probably looking past him, thinking this is going to be an easy fight. Considering that some people think that Jeff Neal is a gatekeeper in that division, which he's the furthest thing from, and he's been one of the best contenders in the UFC for a while. And I think he's going to prove it. And I think that outside of the first round, where Gary's going to is going to try to throw as, as many hands as he can, I think he's going to get out wrestled, and I think he's going to lose a clear thirty. And he's having a unanimous decision, and I don't think it's going to be even close. So Now, something to note about Jeff Neal, by the way, considering okay. the MMA math side of things. He actually has a loss to Neil Magny from May of 2021, and he's actually going to be entering this fight off of a loss uh, against uh, Shavkat from 285, which in that fight, it was absolutely fun. Neil lost by submission in like the final minute, but also... Neil missed weight by quite a few pounds. So that's going to also be a big talking point. It it ended up being a 175-pound catch weight fight because of the miss. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we won't have to to worry about that going into this fight. But I think it's interesting that you you know that because there's a chance that Ian Gary, when this press conference does take place um, tomorrow, tomorrow at the time this is premiering, He's definitely going to bring that up, and he's trying to get him, and he's going to try to be an instigator as much as he possibly can to get up, to get under Jeff Neal's skin. And who who's based on the vibe of the press conference, Jeff Neal could snap. But knowing how soft spoken and mild mannered he is, I doubt it will happen. And I think they'll keep it civil. But I think that Ian Gary's just here for the show, and that's about it. I mean, this without a doubt is his toughest test of his career so far. And if he can get through this one, he's going to prove me wrong uh, exponentially for sure. But I just, I just don't see it. Uh, and Zan, I'll actually oh, hold on. He'll probably producer Pat. He'll probably show up in the shirt that has Jeff's DUI picture. Oh my god, if he does that, yeah, I could, I could oh, see, uh, I could, I could see that. I could see that. And he could even end up getting booed out of the arena if that happens, too. Uh, I don't know if, if it's booed out of the arena. You know, knowing that it's Ian Gary, knowing that fan base, they'll probably cheer the living hell out of it. Um, that said, there, Jeff Neal's... Actually, there might, be, there might be a mix now that I now that I think of it. 
Jeff Neal, anyway, Stan, you're right, is going to be his toughest fight. He's a tough grappler. He's got more power than uh, Neil Magny had. I think, Zan, it's going to be a little bit of a difficult night. And if Ian is not in the right mindset like you think it is, I'll, I'll agree with you. I think Jeff will take him down, will pin him against the cage, and will sweep the scorecards on a decision. I think I think this fight, even if Ian pulls off the win, Zan, I think it's going to be too close for comfort. And, you know, if that prediction, if our predictions end up coming true, that doesn't spell good for Ian Gary when he's when he taking on, you know, the top five of that weight class. It sure doesn't, and it definitely will be interesting to see. And this is definitely a fight that the people, if you will, are are aren't pointing in for because even though Volk is the main event, the people's main event, if you will, might end up being this fight when you look at the entire card from a bird's eye view, if you will. But well, Zan, Zan, if we're talking about the fights on the yonder card that you consider your people's main event. Maybe the people won't like this one, but Zan, this next one is the one I'm looking forward to most. It's Marav Devalishvili taking on Triple C Henry Cejudo. This one I'm looking forward to. Yeah, this one, this one has some heat on it, considering that Marav is still pissed that he does not have his long-awaited title shot. But right? Zan, that's his fault. No, if I he- know. You talked about this. Why did he not choose to fight? Agree to just fight Aljo. I, Friends I, fight all the time. Andre I, Feely. I know. Uh, Andre Feely fought his friend last weekend. I know. Dan Ige. I know. I'm just saying he probably still feels that way because he didn't get his way. If that, if that, if that makes sense. So, they're, you know, they're, they're they're giving him you know who 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 he he was the greatest combat athlete of all time in Henry Cejudo and you know. Well, this is this is one of those fights where if Marab underestimates him, he could lose, and that's exactly what I think is going to happen. I think that when you get Cejudo at 100%, even who he's been on the couch for the last year, all he does is just fight absolute studs every single time. But he just fights former champion or current champion almost every single time he steps in there. And I think we're going to see the Cejudo of old, and actually think that he finishes Marab before the final horn in it. And Marab's quested up, but potentially competing for a championship, and I, I think that former championship experience is former championship experience, and it is nothing to overlook. And Cejudo has yet to lose a step, and arguably a lot of people thought that he won the Sterling fight before he decided to temporarily retire. And I think he's going to get back to his winning ways um on Saturday and uh, and give Marab a, a taste of his own medicine and give Marab his uh his first UFC loss in, in quite in, in some time in a fight that Marab can't afford to lose. And this is one that I just think that Suhudo kind of knows what his responsibility is by fighting him. And I think he'll go out and he'll uh, do whatever the good. It's a lot of people. I have a couple of upsets on this card. I know that my record on predictions isn't the best considering what took place at UFC Vegas 86, but, but I feel extremely confident. Uh, in this fight, and I just think it's hard to pick against a former champion. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Cejudo. I'm gonna go with Marab. First of all, I think Marab and Cejudo are gonna have a really. This is Zan. What I'm eyeing on for a potential fight of the night. I know we said that against about Marab and Peter Yan, and that didn't end up happening. But I think Cejudo has a good repertoire, uh, a good skill set, if you will, a good move set. 
that I think he and Devalishvili can go toe to toe and produce a really competitive, close fight. That who knows, maybe Cejudo, like the Sterling fight, you'll have an argument that he should have won, but the cards go one way, or even the reverse for Marab. Uh, I expect, I'm hoping and praying that this one is going to be fun. My question to you, Zan, is twofold. One, do you think the winner of this fight gets Sean O'Malley as long as Sean O'Malley beats uh, Cheeto next month? Yeah, I could see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number two, number two, do you think the UFC is praying for either a boring fight or that Marab doesn't win so they don't have to book Sean O'Malley versus Marab? Because in my opinion, I think Marab would murder Sean O'Malley. I think so too. I don't think the UFC's praying for it, but I think if they're not already devising backup plans, he should be because ne- because if Marab wins, they're going to be back in the same situation they were a year ago. So correct. So I guess they're praying. For, I guess they can say. I guess they're praying for a boring fight so they can try to hold that over Marab's head on that one. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, if that's how they think of it, that's how they're going to do it, even though it's, it definitely is it definitely is unfair to say the least. But we're we're gonna we're gonna be split on that. However, I think we might end up agreeing with the next two fights. We'll, we'll see where your reds are compared to mine because there's definitely these last two fights in the main card. To me, I don't know about you, but to me, these last two fights in the main card feel like absolute coin flips to me. So, yeah, these two do feel like coin flips. So we got Anthony Hernandez taking on uh, Roman Kapilov. Uh, Zan Hernandez coming in four fight win streak. Uh, last fought in May with a TKO of Edmund Shabazian, which my God, Zan, remember when Edmund Shabazian was the golden boy and he had all that momentum around his side? He just uh-huh. falling off completely. Uh, oh, also yeah. has a, also has a finish uh, against Mark Andre Barriol. Also has a win over uh, former LFA champion Josh Friend, uh, and then you got Roma Kapilov, who comes in twelve and two. Actually, is coming off a win over knockout win over Josh Friend, uh, mm-hmm. four fight win streak of his own with a couple of actually all of his finishes in this four fight streak. Zan have been knockouts. Pardon me, all of his all his fights except for his pro debut have been knockouts and TKOs. Yeah, so to put it simply, this fight is not going the distance. If you were to do a best bet for this weekend's card, I think this is the best bet this this fight fight in, yeah. in, in like, the distance for either fighter, no matter how, no matter how you want to do it. Uh yeah, no, inside the distance. Uh Zan, I'm leaning towards the power of uh I'm leaning towards the power of Kapilov to get the to put it away here. I think Second, third round finish for Kapilov. Yeah, I think Kapilov wins this fight too. I think he weathers an early storm in the first round for Hernandez, but comes back in the second round to get a late round and pound finish after a wild scramble. And I think it will be one of the most entertaining fights on the card for sure. Yeah, and then we have the fe- and then we have the featured prelim. Interesting matchup, Zanda. You know, has me. Hmm. It's Amanda Lemos taking on Mackenzie Dern. Obviously, Mackenzie Dern coming off a performance, which I guess is, I guess the word Zan is pretty forgettable. Mm-hmm. But I think she's had a lot of time to reflect 
on that and and where she went wrong. And I actually think think that Jordan gets it done. I think that she survives well most his early first round power and I think she he does enough to actually get a um or she win does she win by a submission in either the second or third or round. I think this is going to be Dern's most impressive win of her career and I think that Lemos is gonna is gonna rock her early and, and she's gonna get caught in something and and, and then she's gonna get finished. So I think that this is gonna be one of the best uh women's fights of this quarter and I think it's definitely one that, that I think people are gonna be sleeping on because these were some high high level non uh non title contenders that I think people need to look out for uh this year in 2025 that I think people are going to start talking about um, if this fight goes the way I think it will. So I'm taking, I'm taking Dern to, to start right. um, to, to end, to end the, to end the prelims, if you will. So I think Zan Lamos's power combined with the fact that I know she's two and two, but in her last four, but those two losses are to Andrade and to Whaley Zhang. And that was a title fight. It's her first fight since that title loss. I think, I think right, that re- right, right, and the reason why I said non-title contenders is because is because they're still working their way back up to the to that upper right. of the of the division. Just to just to clarify that. Well, well, let me ask you, if if Dern if Dern gets a win over Lamos, especially if it's a finish, does she get the winner of Whaley versus Young Zhenan? I don't. Not yet. No. Not yet. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, especially because I think if Yan Janan somehow defeats Weili Zhang at 300, then the next step would be a rematch. I and think. I also think that if Weili wins, the UFC the UFC will want to do a if super Valentina fight. fight or or yeah. um, if Valentina ends up winning the trilogy later this year. 1,000%, yeah. Yeah. Or... or or yeah, you could have her just go up to one twenty five anyway. Even if Valentina isn't the champ, Inji Whaley versus Grasso—that's also mm-hmm. another possibility. Absolutely, either way. Yep. Uh, yeah, but I'm going to—I have a little more faith in Amanda Lemos's power and her momentum. So, uh, and her uh, recent victories and such. I'm gonna, so I'm going to go with Lemos. But I agree with you, Zan. I do think. I don't think Dirt's going to get the win, but I think that this is a fight that I think people are sleeping on a little bit and deserves a little more attention. So then I guess to, so then I guess to, to, to clarify your thoughts, do you think this goes to a decision or do you think, or do you think there's a finish in this one? If there's a finish, Dan, it would have to come in like the third round. I think I'm, I'm leaning to this one probably being a decision though. Okay. And, and I guess to, and then, and and then I guess to to follow up on that, do you think there's any sort of way that if this fight ends in controversy that the UFC he runs this one back right away, or do you think the UFC moves on? I, I would I wouldn't mind seeing this one right away again if if uh, controversy happens. I don't think I would mind seeing that. Okay, hey, cool. Just um to go over some quick news and quotes before we get out of the before we get out of this topic. Congratulations okay. to Tom. You. You know, I have the overall um, picks record. We added, you know, you currently lead 27, uh, 21 and 2 to a 25, 23 and the record things to your 7 and 6 putting last week. So it is already becoming a good I wasn't even proud of my performance last week. <laughs> well, I'd say with how difficult the card was to pick, I think 7 
six and one is way better than four nine and one. So I had to give you, oh. I, had to, I, I had to give you props for props for, for do. There's some cards where you'll do really well, and then there are other cards where, where you'll struggle. That was this past weekend. So I'm hoping things change for, for the better very soon. But at the very least, our competition is still very competitive. So. Very much so. All right, let's Zan. Quick few topics before we quickly we got it before we get out of here. Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia, they had a little scuffle in Radio Row, had to be broken up during Super Bowl week, and it seems like their fight is now going to be official. Title fight on April twentieth. Zan, I'm looking forward to this one. I think Haney's going to have the upper hand, but I'm going to look forward to this one. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this one too. I'm looking forward to to the build up even more. I think the build. Look up to this fight is going to be great. I think there there's a lot of bad blood when you look at you know oh the whole uh, the whole golden a PBC matchroom relationship whatever you want to call it um to zone all all the all the of all the stuff that Garcia said about Haney and Haney's and all the stuff that Haney thinks about uh, Garcia what he thinks of his pretty boy image I think I'm more excited for the build up than I am the fight because I think that if Haney d- that's what he needs to do. He should be able to win this fight easily and uh, without even really thinking about much. How do you who think this fight plays out as we're about two months away from it? Um, hmm. I, I think that you're right. There's going to be a lot of fun build up to this. I just think that Devin Haney's hand has done more when in terms of getting over the hump than Ryan Garcia has. And I think Devin Haney has more momentum than Ryan Garcia has. And I think this is a fun competitive fight, but I think Devin Haney just has a little more in the skill set, a little more in the tank that he ends up pulling off a decision. Uh, that's my early prediction two months out from this fight. For sure. And we will, we will preview this fight the week of, and as it's it closer with more developments, but that was obviously very interesting to see them scuffle already as this fight was just recently announced, but at the very least, it's good for boxing because we have a lot of very exciting fights uh, to look up to look forward to, and in their build up and what have you. So it's nice to see that this fight is done, signed, sealed, delivered, and ready to go. That's for that's for sure. Then B. Joe Piper, more like B. Jack Hermanson. So Jack Hermanson, Joe Piper faced off in the main event of UFC Vegas '86. Joe Piper coming off uh, very well in the first couple of rounds, getting the better in the striking exchanges. But it looked like the lack of five-round experience got to him. He tired out. Hermanson had something behind his jab that was working over Joe well, and not to mention the calf kicks. And it looked like Joe just didn't have it in him. And then the fifth round comes around. He gets that really expletive-filled motivational speech in the corner, comes out firing and looking healthy in the first couple of minutes, and then tires out again. And Hermanson gets the fight to the ground. And, Hermanson pulls off the comeback decision, dropping the first across all three scorecards, Dan, dropping the first two rounds and then coming back to win the next three, a la Dan Hooker versus Dustin Poirier from June of 2020. Uh, that was huge for Hermanson because it looked like he, people were writing him off. I know I wrote him off and he comes out there, gets a win and shows why he should still be a ranked middleweight. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he continues his win loss, win loss trend, but you yeah. know, with without without a doubt, I'm and he 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 did what he needed to do. You know, he'll still be in that top and discussion. He beat a guy that you know the UFC was really pushing. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Piper next. But 
This is a fight where if you're Jack Hermanson, you're supposed to win a fight like that. You're supposed to win a fight against a highly touted prospect. And he did just that. And given all the shifts and changes in the middleweight division, given that Drake is two plus, he is the new champion. Given that, you know, Israel Adesanya and Sean Strickland are still out there. And given that the top 10 is still one of the most fluid in the UFC, there's a lot of options for what Hermanson can do next. And uh, his 2024 Hey, the least would definitely be very interesting, and I could definitely see him either headlining, uh, uh, um, headlining another fight night card, or being a main card, um, attraction attractive bout. I mean, you see paper, but maybe somewhere international like England or the United Arab Emirates. But he's definitely someone to keep an eye on, and he's definitely someone that certainly hasn't gone away given his age. So good for good for him. He actually Zan. Uh, during his post-fight press conference, was talking about a couple of opponents that would make sense for him. So he talked about uh, Imavov as being a potential name in there, which would be, I think, an 8 versus 11 matchup. Are you interested in seeing Imavov versus Manson? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see um, how Imavov would... Uh, would handle um, Hermanson's boxing ability. And I, I think it would be interesting to see how Hermanson would handle Emo of his ground game, which to me, I think is very, very underrated and definitely a fight that I would be interested in seeing. I think it would be, I think it would be a human chess match to say, to say the least. Absolutely. And hopefully a better fight than Imovov's last one against Elise the week before. Right. It's, uh-huh. it's weird that he's already talking about Emo of when he had just fought in the same building. Seven days prior, so it's funny how it's funny how that works, right? <laughs> yeah, it almost seems like it's lined up perfectly, like one of the media members said. Uh, last one, Zan. Wow, mm-hmm. wow. Now, I don't mean a good wow, I mean, oh my god, this was yeah. controversial. And if it wasn't, if you didn't think controversial, this was disappointing on so many ends. Yeah, I think uh, this fight. You can come to the proverbial conclusion that top-ranked boxing on Thursday nights just isn't a good business model. It's just let's just get that out of the way first. What do you what do you think? I, I don't think I don't think it works. What's a what business model? I'm sorry. Uh, top-ranked boxing events taking place on linear ESPN, specifically on Thursday nights. I just, the I Thursday just, night? Yeah, no, no, no. That threw my whole week off. I I can't. Hmm. Yeah. But as for the fight itself, it wasn't the Teofimo Lopez we were used to seeing. Um, I mean, and even Jermaine Ortiz had his flaws, but this fight was just absolutely horrible. It was not. It was not what either of these guys are capable of. It was not the fight that people were expecting it to be. And just some of these scorecards to me were a little off. And uh, one seventeen to one eleven. Come on, it's just like really in twenty twenty four we're still doing this. But I know, but Zen. Listen, listen to this, and, and and I think this is this is just an omen of what direction Teofimo Lopez is going in. It's not one. Oh, okay. One to go in. So he beats Vasily in October 2020, wins the lightweight championships, the WBA, WBO, and IBF. He didn't win the WBC. No, he didn't. All right. So he has that win. Doesn't fight for about a year. Has that controversial split decision loss against Cambosos. Uh, 
fights in in August of 2022, defeats Pedro Campa and has to go to the seventh round. Sandor Martin, split decision. Josh Taylor, this would, Taylor's the exception. He got the win in that fight, and it was a pretty clear win. And then this horrible Jermaine Ortiz fight. Ever since that win over Loma Zan, it, it has been an absolute awful run for Teofimo. He does not look like it's like that win over Vasily seemed to legitimately be his peak because ever since then it's been downhill. Even even with wins in those fights. Yeah. It's definitely gonna be interesting to see where he goes next. And uh I think if that fight gets replayed a hundred times, I think it's a lot more even and then people expect it. If that's the Teofimo Lope is that's going to continue to show up. And if I was a diehard Teo fan, I would be just as disappointed. This is definitely not the Teo that we remember during COVID. This is definitely not the Teo that beat Loma. This is a completely different version of him. And hopefully he figures it out soon. You know, he's still relatively young, but his, his older boxing years are starting to get to him a little bit. He, he needs to either pick it up now or his legacy will always be known as the guy that after the Loma fight just did a lackluster fight after lackluster fight and no one no one wants to see that. So Absolutely not. definitely definitely a lose lose situation for Topper and any other way you saw Acer or Dice. But I guess on a positive sense, boxing you get more free ESPN airtime, which I guess is always good when you have a packed sports week. So there's sure. that. All right, that's going to do it for us. Make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the Empty the Bench Network. Make sure to follow us across social media on Facebook, X, Instagram, at MMA Outsiders ETB. Follow the Empty the Bench Network, Facebook, X, Instagram, and TikTok at ETB Network. Make sure to go to YouTube.com slash ETB Network to subscribe. We just passed 674, five subscribers. So we thank you all for your support in our con to 700 and beyond. Uh, that's for those of you who are listening on our audio-only platforms. If you are watching us on YouTube, don't forget to take MMA Outsiders and all the other ETB shows on the road with you on ACAST, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more on audio-only platforms. Don't forget to go to etbpodcast.com for more uh, content, including more information about the network, blogs from some of our contributors, and so much more. To my right, as always, is Zan Bando, staff writer for BJPen.com and MMA Knockouts. Make sure to hit, follow him on social media at Zambando99. On Talavano, contributor for MMA News, fan-sided fan MMA, uh, as well as with the PFL for their 2024 season, for their website, for live results. And you can follow me on social media at, at uh, Thomas J. Albano. And I want to give a shout-out, actually, to Pat Tana, our uh, producer behind the scenes. Uh, make sure to check his work out over at Combat Sports UK. And don't forget to follow him at Pantana MMA. All right. I think. Oh, and one more thing. Shout out to Wolf Spreads, our sponsor, as always, uh, with the expansion of our partnership from Football Friday to the whole ETB network. Make sure to check it out. If you want to get, you know, a little education in sports betting, if you want to have some fun with your friends with fantasy sports betting, you can definitely check that, that them out. They are a great bunch of people over there. Shout out to Wolf Spreads. I think I got everything, Zan. I think you did. And that is going to wrap up episode 71 of the MMA Outsiders. We hope you enjoy the fights this upcoming Saturday from and I in California. We will, we will break it all, all down and so much more on episode 72. But until then, enjoy the fights. Be Joe Piper, and we will see you guys all soon on the 
other side next week for uh, episode 72 of the MMA Outsiders. See you guys soon and have a great evening. Have a great evening, guys. We'll see you next week when we recap 298 and we preview the PFL Bellator Showdown. That's exactly right. Can't wait. See you then. See you then.